0: Luke six forty three to the end. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man... Out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his, his mouth speaketh. And why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. You may be seated.
1: The title of my sermon this morning is Strengthening Our Center. I'll have two illustrations as visuals with this message. The first one is, before you dig, before you build higher, dig deeper. So that would be illustrated by this high-rise apartment building. I left the top open so it could be added on, going up higher yet. There will be a limit as to how far a person can build up relative to what he has put in the foundation. So before you, the idea is before you go higher, dig deeper. The person in this uh, scripture reading this morning was um, one who wanted to build... He wanted to build a house. Um, he dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. <clears throat> Foundations are generally unseen, but basically critical. Basically, the root word is basic, and the root word of basic is base. <laughs> Base is anything from which a start is made. So I have here the base of my thumbnail. Uh, The base is the thumb. The base of the thumb is the hand. The base of the hand is the arm. The base of the arm is the shoulder, which is a part of my body. So when God made man... he began with a base and that base was dust (laughs) dust what can you expect using dust as a base well the Lord God by his power and incredible wisdom created man from the dust of the earth and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul Genesis 2.7 we talk about the heart of the matter. Uh, the writer to Ecclesiastes says, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, and we were just reading here in Luke 6, a good man, Luke 6, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. The dictionary, um, I use uh, dictionary quite freely and a few other reference books that have been helpful in writing and study. In uh, Webster says, linguistically, base... Is any morpheme, M-O-R-P-H-E-M-E, any morpheme to which prefixes or suffixes are added, either taken away or added? We acknowledge that the Bible says that God's word is truth. And God had said, Jesus had said, as he spoke to John in the book of Revelation, he said, he warned against adding to God's word, and taking away from God's word. Because God began with a base. Truth itself also needs a base. And that base are the very words of God given by inspiration to the holy men of God as they wrote and spake. Guided by the Holy Spirit. So a morpheme is the smallest meaningful unit or form in language. And so I learned something too. I didn't know about the name morpheme, and then there's, morph, there's some other things that are also associated with that. So morpheme is the smallest meaningful hint, uh, meaningful unit or form in, in language. So we're thinking about our center, strengthening our center. Our center is, by virtue of our creation, God. And our center is, by virtue of our redemption, Jesus Christ. And included in that center is the Holy Spirit, who confirms and affirms that there is a God, that there was indeed Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that the record in God's Word is given by the Holy Spirit by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And these are all witnessed to by multiple witnesses, a particular principle of God that cannot be uh, refuted, set aside. Uh, It's a principle of God that that has provided for affirmation. We have in our land what we call notary public. The notary public will be a person who will take some kind of recognition of who you say you are, and she, he will affix a signature and a stamp on that to make it official, to verify. Any true commentary will use the value of the actual words given by revelation from God. The creation was given by revelation from God. No one was there to witness it. Do we believe it? Or what are the choices? Choices are prevalent in our world so that many people would not believe it but have set up other theories, particularly evolution, as an explanation of origins we say the base or basis for creation is given by God in Genesis 1 and 2 no one was there to witness it but we are called upon and do freely accept it by faith the base or basis for the second coming of Christ and the end of the world, we have prophecy. No one was there to witness it. The only affirmation we have is that it's given, the word is given by the Holy Spirit. God had said, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it was prophesied through Jesus Christ, particularly the words of Revelation, all of them are given by Revelation. And we can assume them to be right. Or we can assume them to be in error or not right. And so all the word of God is presented to us. And as our Sunday school lesson said today, some believed and some believed not. So to not believe the book of Revelation and prophecy in the future, like in 1 Corinthians 15, First and Second Thessalonians, Second Peter, and Revelation, and elsewhere, they are given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, with a use of word-value words that appeal to us to believe. There are people who believe it, and the other option is unbelief. Truth, I'm trying to say, I'm attempting to say, and I am saying, that truth is the center of our lives by the Lord Jesus Christ that is our center what we're looking at this morning is about strengthening our center Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and it has occurred to me in my writings that Jesus did not say I am a way I am a truth I am a life As alternatives, there are other things, too, that you could do just as well. No, but he is the way, and the article the means a one and only. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Truth is the center of our lives, originated by God, and sent and affirmed by Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit of God. Group Bible study should be the primary activity of laymen. When I was a teenager, I loved Bible study. I was saying at that time that our our youth Bible study is the main activity of our youth group. We just loved it. We went into the word of God, and we studied, and we shared, and we were blessed, and we grew, and we flourished without necessarily realizing that this has been pretty special for our experience. It really was. It's a foundation. A foundation it is the foundation of our lives. Preaching should always be the primary feature of a Sunday morning worship service. Beware of and do not give room to any replacements, features that lack edification. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 4, 13, To I come, give attendance to public reading of the scriptures, I added public there, to the reading of the scriptures, to exhortation, to doctrine. Not to the drums, not to stringed instruments, not to the clowns and novelty and gaiety and clever tricks and hilarious entertainment. No but preaching. There's a man told me, a church man, used to be Mennonite, not anymore. He said, 20 minutes, Aaron, 20 minutes is long enough for any sermon. If you can't say it in 20 minutes, just forget it. Well, clock me. I'm not going to be able to do this this morning in 20 minutes. And you would be utterly surprised if I would even try. Okay, so this man loves to watch football. You know what? A football game that lasts 20 minutes with that kind of skirmish and attacking each other is plenty long enough at the bell. Quit. Whoever has the highest score wins. Hmm? Or softball. Uh, by 20 minutes, you can tell who, who's the winner. Well, a lot of games really are won on the last inning, maybe when the last batter up could hit a home run and change the whole previous uh, uh, previous uh, track of the play thus far. Huh, 20 minutes of softball, you can get a winner in that time, that's long enough. No, we don't do that. That's not true in life. Actually, I say that when football, I don't know much about football, but I, I know a bit about softball. Actually, when it goes over time or into extra innings, it gets more interesting yet. (laughs) I don't know if my preaching could be that way. All right, so what we're saying. We're saying before you build higher, dig deeper. We have built a silo on our farm there, Eugene did, a 25 by 90. With a roof, it made it 100 foot 25 by 90, holds 1,200 ton of silage. A 20 by 60 holds 400 ton of silage. That 25 by 90 holds the equivalent of three 20 by 60 silos. There was a man in Virginia that bought one of these silos. There are Amish businessmen who take these silos down and erect them, and he told me this himself. So we were down there in Virginia to build a silo and they were saying how much concrete it takes for a silo of this size and of this weight. He said, oh, I wouldn't waste my money on that much concrete. We'll make it real level and even and we'll use whatever amount of concrete he said. That's gonna be it. Well, the person that builds the silo, what's he to say? After all, the customer is the boss, right? So they built this 25 by 90 silo, filled it with silage, and you know what happened? This thing started leaning. And what else? It fell over. Think about the mess of steel and silage, 1,200 tons all mixed together. So a fairly good-sized cart that we use anymore holds about 15 tons of chopped silage. So I would take how many loads would that be of chopped silage to separate from all that steel. And only because there wasn't enough put into the foundation. Last year, they had put new poles in for those uh, uh, electric lines that run from, I think from Kinsler, New Holland, uh, very high poles and they carry a good bit of weight and the strain of wind against the wires and all required a certain amount of foundation. They dug a hole 30 foot deep. They had kind of a a thing that slowly went around. And it had diamond teeth on it. We saw it because right back of the barn over at the other farm. And when they hit rock, they just make this thing go around. In the mornings, they would sharpen those teeth and work on them. When they got through the rock, they would take a backhoe and dig out. And I, I didn't go to measure it like five or six feet wide and 30 feet deep. Um, how many cubic yards of concrete in a truck, John? How many? 20. 20? Mm-hmm. So these people were putting in truckloads of concrete. I don't know how much it took, um, but quite a bit and reinforcing to go with it. When we build for a house, we put the foundation below what we consider to be frost depth and is usually wider than the wall itself. Uh, Several verses that are interesting to this uh, discussion here this morning. First one I have, I want to share with you is in 1 Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy, chapter 3, And verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. Now we're talking about truth as our center, we're talking about Christ Jesus the Lord. As being that center. And of God the creator. The Lord God Jehovah. As being a part. As being that center. Not a part of it. But being that center. <clears throat> In First Timothy 6. 17 through 19. Several interesting verses that pertain to this. charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust on uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3 there's a um, significant verse that uh, lends itself well to this discussion. First Corinthians 3, 9 through 11. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, that is, farming ground. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and un- another buildeth thereon but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. A very foundational verse. The foundation, the the center, is Jesus our Lord. So I had this first illustration uh, of a... um, Of a building. That before you build higher. You dig deeper. The second one. Is then. Before you expand horizontally. Fortify the center. We have established. I think here this morning now. That God is our center. He is our origin. Our base. Our essence. Essence. And so we had. Um a um, word that was used frequently among us that was kind of uh, not uh, too hard to understand, but became uh, something that was used a good bit, the word essential. So we had essential services. We had essential businesses. There were things that were essential that needed to stay open. Uh, And then there were also non-essential things given us like professional sports and you know we get the newspaper and I didn't miss it that our newspaper got smaller because it didn't have three or four pages of professional sports. All year long there's always a number of things going on overlapping with each other. It doesn't end. So professional sports were non-essential: movie houses, gambling places, bars and restaurants, group gatherings, abortion clinics. Some governors said yes. Some governors said no. Kind of a part of a political divide, I was told. I didn't follow that that closely. So when you want to say what's right and what's wrong, you seemingly always get into a gray area (laughs) or an area of public opinion or an area of personal choice. So we were saying, that um, before you expand horizontally, fortify the center. That is, before you spread out too far, make sure that your center is in place. So Jesus Christ, God's Son, came bodily to show, tell, affirm, certify that which is essential. (laughs) That doesn't change. What is essential is given by Jesus Christ, confirmed by God, And witnessed by the Holy Spirit in affirmation to us. So God is our center. God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God's Word constitutes our center. A few practical Things that I'll be sharing on now, about five of them. Number one, let's talk about business. Business is a part of our lives, especially men. Um, Some of us are self-employed, have businesses. Nearly every business has borrowed money, either to start up or to operate. Borrowed money is the heart of business in general. You take away borrowed money, and many businesses would just fold like that. Now we, I give allowance that management is a a part of the heart of business, and that clients are a part or as the heart of a business. But let's think about the part that money plays as being the center of a business enterprise. In the 1930s, there was a Great Depression. Farms that had borrowed money would lose their farms because they weren't able to make the payments, the monthly payments. If the creditors gave grace and would wait till later for payment, they could keep their farm. But people in those days would be working, if they could work, were willing to work for a dollar a day, mind you. And there were business people who could scarcely pay that. That's how bad, how serious, how deep this depression was. There were businesses, many of them folded, and if they had borrowed money, they failed. If they didn't have borrowed money, they could do quite well. Then we go 50 years later in the 1980s. Quite a few of us will remember that. There was a big time recession somewhat of a repeat of the 30s, but not nearly as bad. Interest shot up to 18 to 21 percent. It was in that time that International Harvester was bought out by J.I. Case, and it was embarrassing uh, for us because we farm with red, not green. So our red lost out, and you know why? Because at the time, they were too highly leveraged. They had borrowed a huge amount of money, for an expansion because they had expected with what was happening in the 70s in the farming economy that this is a freight train that needs more tracks. And so they borrowed a huge amount of money for a big expansion and they borrowed at the wrong time. And so they folded and had to sell out to what seemed like uh, a corporation that we didn't know much about. Going now to this year, this year in 2020 with the um, virus taking its toll there were businesses that were just scarcely making it it took new arrangements for making payments for borrowed money Uh, people were at risk of losing their shops, their businesses their enterprises and I read in the paper that the airlines were hit very hard by it, too. But Southwest Airlines, it said, was in the best shape of all the major airlines because they didn't have near as much borrowed money. To me, that was very interesting. So Southwest Airlines went about opening up their airlines and allowing their planes to fly with less than half full people. They had enough capital that they could operate that and what they are trying to do is get momentum for the time when all this thing opens up again and they will be well ahead of these other larger airlines so I'm I'm thinking now about business and the heart of business or the center of business so people that had strengthened their center that is with capital, with money, with funds were able to expand better than those who had to borrow money that's just my point to make an illustration of, of uh, emphasizing the part about us as Christians before we expand too much in whatever Christian service various kind of ministries that we want to have our strength, center of to be able to handle that <clears throat> So that's about business. I want to talk a little bit about home mortgages. That's number two Home mortgages. Borrowed money is a center of home mortgages. Uh, Some people have said in my finance seminar, I come across this quite frequently, when couples are looking at buying a house, how can they do? So I have a whole section on that that looks at the various things that they can do with that uh, and be able to approach it as they get into their 30s maybe, Um, where they can safely buy a house without as much risk. So I've often heard the statement, well, paying rent is money down the drain. Well, not really, not really, because the person that owns the house to whom you pay the rent, he has to pay taxes and insurance and maintenance. And I've come up with a figure and this will vary all over the charts, but I've come up with a figure, let's say, about $300 a month on the average annually for those three items, taxes, insurance, and maintenance. So the $300 that you pay as rent, of that amount you pay, $300 could be for, that has to go for those things. There is some that needs to be there for the owner's risk and also as return on his investment because investments can go up or down. So we think, ah, they say, they told me often, they said, "Uh, housing goes up every year, and what we're paying in rent will only mean that later when we buy a house, we're going to have to pay a lot more than we would have had to pay now. So this money that we paid in rent is just money down the drain. We should have been putting it into a mortgage, only to find out, come along about 2010, 2011, 2012, that home prices can go down. And so it's interesting that if people have been saving their money at a point where the market goes down or at a point where a special house comes up, I heard of one sale up in the Lewisburg area where they had an auction and Amos Kaufman went just to see what it might do. He wasn't being in, nobody came. They wanted to sell this house. They said, just give us a price. He said, I don't want a house. I don't have any interest in this. Nobody came. They would have sold that house cheap. It happened in our area. Out there at Harristown, a house was sold and hardly anybody came. They couldn't get a price. And the neighbors came to see to watch to see what's happening. The same auctioneer had Toss Naughty's house. That house went extra high that and it was the same year. A lot of people were there. You can never tell at an auction. So the thing is, my point is that as we strengthen our center in, re, in regard to home mortgages, that is saving money so that when a house comes up for sale, that we have something to work with. We have a down payment, uh, Mr. Savage, he's a secular consultant on finances, he says you should have 10% saved for buying a house. We say, ah, 10%, that's too small. We used to say 30%, well that's pretty high, but we say preferably 20% saved up as down payment on a house. Mm -hmm. Well, we'd have a good bit more to say about that, but if you're a young couple, you're interested in some ideas about home mortgages how you can do, talk with me. I'd be glad to entertain some ideas with you and share some things that you can consider. Basically, what I would be saying is not, not only this, but here's one thing to think about. What you pay in rent and the money you can save on an average for a year by month, what you pay in rent and what you can save monthly Let's say for a year, is the amount that you can afford as mortgage payments. Now, if you can't save money over your house rent, I say you're not ready to buy a house. So I'll give some free consultation and some things to to think about along those lines. There are things that can be done that can be encouraging or at the least giving some direction. Number three. Number three. Talk a little bit about dating and courtship. What we're wanting to do (coughs) is strengthen our center and uh, be that with that better prepared in life. (coughs) So in courtship. the uh, interest is, the intent is to enter into a love relationship. What I'm saying here now is that in that love relationship, don't set aside your love for Jesus. In courtship, you uh, you need to cultivate and you need to work on that love for Jesus Christ and his truth in addition to that exclusive, special companion. Much of life centers around me. We always need, in whatever, besides courtship, even in marriage, we always need to fortify our love to Jesus and his word before we seek to share our love to a special and exclusive friend or buying a business or buying a house or expanding in business or such kind of things. In courtship, physical and emotional passions need to be brought under the control of our Lord Jesus Christ before we seek to spend time alone with a special friend. Yesterday, this is a bit of an aside, yesterday was exactly 12 years since I drove alone to Michigan to see Esther for the first time. Thought you might like to know. Mm -hmm. I hardly know how to say this. But it needs to be said. If you have been involved in any homosexual or lesbian activity that has not been dealt with in your past, I say, you must cry out to God in repentance and confession. Repentance and confession are two separate responses. And seek counseling by your pastors or other biblically based counselors. If you have had pornographic material before your eyes with intent to check it out. By the mercy and judgment of God, I say... You are unfit to enter into a courtship or to continue if you have already begun. This is a sore evil and a damning sin in our world, even in our sheltered communities. If you have it in your possessions, abhor it. Ask your mom or your wife to remove it and destroy it. Abhor your hands for having handled it, your eyes for having looked upon the accursed thing, and your heart toward an evil desire. I want to read from James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 14. No, verse James chapter 4, 1 through 9. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think... That the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Is it that bad? No, it's worse. It's worse than what I have said it. It's worse than what it will do to your life, it's worse than what it will do to your companion. It's worse than what it will do to your family. It's worse because of what it will do to your own personal life. Pornography is a sore evil. And something that needs to be repented of and confessed. There have been dads and moms who are nursing known sins. Being set against repentance and confession, and the children grew up in another generation and continued in sin. This happened. Then the school and the church is expected to take care of it. First Peter 4, 17, and 18. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? I have been by the grace of God at over 90 churches in the US and Canada for finance seminars. There have been people who have sought my private counsel some about finances some about a number of other things and urged me To not tell their pastors. I can hardly stand it to tell you that. I've had letters of people asking for counsel and asking for money. And could our church send them some? And would I please, by all means, not let their pastor know that they're asking for this? You know what they're doing? They're making me the center of their life. I can't do it. (sighs) The church of Christ, Jesus and the truth is the center. We may have a house that it involves Christ, our life surely, the business, and there is what we talk about, dating and courtship. There is what we're talking about now, is still on that subject. Um, the local congregation is one of those. is a part of the center of God as representative upon the earth. And to make a distant pastor be the center with excluding information to the home congregation is not right. And I say that regardless how wise and how excellent his counsel could be and what he could generate, what he could provide, I say the local congregation is our center and how good that feels we are members one of another so part of that is our own church bless God for our congregation there are some times where things kind of um, want to crowd out the um, Christ as being the center we have various kinds of things and I could write in there courtship let's look at a little bit and uh, a little bit and I don't want to make this particularly strong I want this to simply be like a little bit of dew that settles upon us, and we're aware of it, and can give it a bit of thought. Number four is about parachurch ministries. Parachurch ministries has been the means of blessing the kingdom of Christ in a particular great way. They seem to proliferate, however, and there are so many of them, and we we uh, do not detect competition, which is absolutely essential. Although I remember at a public meeting, there was one man who wanted to talk about a certain ministry he is involved in—a parachurch ministry—and he was saying he was saying to the point. That his work, his work, he said, is the most important work in the whole world. Well, then we had at another meeting, a man spoke of the work that he was in, a mission project, and he was also looking to have a financial support. Well, they say prayer support, but financial support from our church. Or from the churches. It wasn't just here. It was at a larger meeting than this. And uh, so he was looking to share about their work and to uh, see if who might be interested in sharing in prayer and financial support. And he said... There are many needs in our world. Our work, is, our work is no more important than anyone else's work. Now that sounded right to me. How about you? But if we feel in our hearts that we would like to share in that, they're here and arrangements could be made. number five I'm now thinking about these children up here on this side we have five young men I understand them to be at the age of about 13 to 14 I want you all to look at me okay good and the girls only three of you this morning (laughs) well that's okay you're here representing the rest of your group I'm thinking about you. during <clears throat> the ages of 13, 14. And then there are some p- children back there. I see quite a few of you. You are eight years old and 10 years old. And yeah, they're just popping up up there. I see you children back there. And 12 years old, maybe, and maybe even six years old. And so I'm. I was thinking in my study. So, what's your center? What's your center? I say, oh, computer, Um, smartphone, your school, yeah, some kind of sports, friends, magazines or books. What's your center? What does a preacher want? You know, it's really risky to answer in front of a whole congregation. So I'll help you. Your center is your parents. Mm -hmm. So I want you to think about that. How you can strengthen your center. How you can strengthen your response to mom and dad. Your response to mom and dad. I see several of you on almost a daily basis and you boys have so much fun. (laughs) I notice you. I'm not always talking to you, but I notice you. You are such a blessing and such a grace on our farm. (laughs) Your parents are your center at this stage of your life you are spreading your wings a bit you want to go a little further away, you have your friends that's fine, you'll soon be in the youth group, that's fine, of course but your center is still your parents young people same thing strengthening your center I want you to think about Uh, How you could, uh, in some little way perhaps, strengthen that center, your relationship with dad and mom. You could share your projects with them. You could plan for free time to play games with them. And just try to win most of the time. Now don't whoop them too bad, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a great thing to do for children and young people to play games with their parents. Arrange for a special meal to give mom time off. Gather wood for an outdoor evening of, and meal. Maybe even buy a, a New Testament commentary for evaluation and family devotions. Make a photo page or booklet for all the things mom does or dad does in your life. If he's on the church or school board, have someone take you to go there and take a picture of his Uh, 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 of his um, people that he shares with or mom she's a sewing circle or a tea party or a woman's group of some kind try to get a picture of her with her friends make a page for them (laughs) pictures of them with their closest friends will bless them for a long time you love your parents and you will tell them so and make a card or place a sticky note Surprise mom by making your own bed and tidying up your own room for a whole week. <laughs> I have been saying that people should keep a diary or a journal, and I've also been saying, not as often nor in public, perhaps, I think a full rounded Training program for children is when the first thing they do when they get out of bed is make that bed prepared, presentable for the inspector. She'd do that thing. What is going on? Well, that's part of the idea. Have her guessing what's going on. <laughs> you're, st- you're strengthening your center. That can be wonderful. I thought it would just be nice if moms and dads for these five boys and three girls here, come up. Just come. I want to see you. Dads with the boys, moms with the girls. Boys, come out and come around here in front in front of the bench. Yeah. Bring other children along if they want to come. Monique house. OK? All right, come. Come on up front. Uh, uh, no, stand. Tw- okay, that's great. Even better. Uh, stand front so your dads can stand in back of you. Mhm. Now, dads, each with your sons and girls, you want to stand here, and moms will kind of come in back of you. Okay. All right. Now stand front a little bit so they can stand in back of you. Just stand front. Stand front just a bit more. Okay. Good. All right. Now put your right hand on their shoulder. Mhm. Mhm. Good. All right. Fine. I think this is special. We can think about strengthening our center with our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not here. Think about strengthening our center with our church. You have ways that you've been doing that. I bless you for the many ways that you have been doing that. But we're being renewed in it this morning. And where the children, these, I noticed them up front here. Uh, Some of these have come more recently. And I tell you, dads and moms, they've been behaving quite well. Um, I noticed that when there's too much whispering. um, Because they're going to do that after church and talk freely with each other. But they have been commendable in their activity alright for now let's have uh, uh, just a blessing of prayer and and dedication Father in heaven we thank you in the name of Jesus for the rich ways in which you have uh, provided for us in our creation and in our redemption no God you have blessed us with businesses and with homes we thank you that there are times of relationships for our young people who are in courtship, O Lord, and for the young marrieds, we pray that they can be thinking about strengthening their center and enrich- having an enrichment in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for various ministries of the church. Pray your blessing upon them. And for these... Adolescents here, Lord, and their parents, we pray that they would be enriched today in a special way where they together can be strengthening their center all to the praise and glory of our Creator God, even you, our Jehovah Lord God, and Jesus Christ, your Son, for our redemption. We pray that we can grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who is our center, until he comes again, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can go back to your seats.
0: Blessings to each of you. Mm-hmm. Good.